You're listening to Sore Hands Club, the Body Jewelry Makers Cast. I'm your host, Jared Carnes. Thank you for joining me for Episode 2, Part 2, with Trevor Thomas of Black Lily Body Jewelry. In this segment, we talk about the iconic San Francisco body piercing studio Braindrops and Trevor's experiences working there, purchasing the studio, and eventually closing the studio. Can we talk about Braindrops? It's an inevitable conversation, I feel like, for... Okay. You know, it, it's, it always comes up. Before we get into the end, I'd like to start at the beginning. Yeah. So I'm really interested to know how you came to be affiliated with Braindrops. And then for those uh, who never got a chance to experience the studio, give us a, a tour, so to speak. Uh, I, at the time, I had just moved to um, San Francisco, or I was moving to San Francisco. I was going to start working at a studio, Club Tattoo. And, you know, they were moving us out there. They were helping us get all situated. And at the time, I didn't know anybody in San Francisco. I didn't know anybody in the Bay, and I didn't know much about it. And I went and I I talked to someone who I knew, Lily O'Neill, who used to work there. And Mm -hmm. to give Lily her total and 100% complete due and flowers, I feel like 80% of people in the industry that love good good, big, fancy jewelry. Um, don't realize that Lily made a lot of that shit cool. She just like had a style that was just super unique, super glam. As far as I feel, maybe it's not factual, um, like pioneered a lot of that shit. Like, oh, you want fine stones? You want fancy, fancy shit? You want big jewelry? Let me show you how good that can look. You want your, you want your layout to be completely matching? You know, like in, in my brain, she was really at the forefront of that shit. And I was lucky to have her as a friend. And she was like, why don't you, you can stay with me for a few weeks while you apartment hunt. And at the time she was working at Braindrops and she was always like, you should come by and see the store. You should come by and see the store. Uh, and I was like, no, 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 I don't like, I, I don't, I'm not really interested in getting to know a bunch of people. I just want to come here and work. I, I'm like so hyper fixated on moving and for a while, Club Tattoo, I felt like it was great. Like I knew the owner, the store felt like it had a lot of promise and it just didn't work out. Like it didn't work out for me. Um, I didn't really love the environment. I didn't love a lot of things about it. Uh, in hindsight, I maybe should have shut my mouth more, opened my ears more, listened to some of the things that were happening and I could have learned a lot from it. But I was just so sick of it. And I just was like, fuck this place, I'm out. I'm not like... I'm just fucking done, which is a horrible habit of mine, but it will, it runs parallel. There's a lot of parallels of my saying, fuck this shit. I don't need this. And then leaving it, which will come full circle in about two minutes. Uh, and you know, Lily was like, why don't you like, we're looking for somebody at Braindrops. Why don't you come and check it out? And I had been following it. I've been looking at it on social media and you know, like I had known like, it was a Bay Area staple. It was legendary. It was, if you were into organics, if you were into fine jewelry, if you were into things that had like a really bohemian feel, like that's it. That's where you went. You know, like to this day, when I think about it, there was something like 10,000 pairs of plugs in every material, in every size. Like it was like, walls of plug there were so many plugs that they were in like jewelry bins stacked like six high in every size that's incredible and when i tell you like if you want in and you were like oh my size is six gauge they would pull out 
craze of six gauge plugs. And I don't mean like cheap maker plugs. I don't mean like, like things that you could buy online that were just really mess and cheaply produced. I mean like really like amazing high quality jewelry that was just a lot of times I discover things that were made in house and things that um, like guys like uh, John George was making. And, you know, like there were so many pieces that were like original old flaming bones pieces, like antique plugs, Abaraka stuff, like little seven oh, stuff, like yeah. so many vendors and so many great pieces of jewelry that I didn't even like, I didn't like even like, I couldn't grasp what it all was as far as the greatness of it. Uh, and I was just like, holy shit, like, this is so overwhelming. Like, this is, like, this is just literally, it's overwhelming. Um, it was a 100% 80 model of the studio that I had just left. Like, it wasn't about trying to make sales. It wasn't about pushing things. It was all about customer experience. It was all about being a great piercer, all about, like, being decorative, all about, you know, ornamentation. And it was like, holy shit, this feels, like, so good. And it was my first introduction to Paul Shinichi, who I really got to like wholly tip my head to is a, is a fantastic human being in so many ways. And like, really, again, if I would shut my mouth and listen to certain people, I feel like my life would be better. And I could have just learned so many things by proximity. And I did not, uh, in true Trevor fashion, I did not, you know, and it was like, holy shit, this is such an amazing thing. And he was like, dude, you should just get a job here. Like, stop. We're not going to offer it to you a second time. Like, like, I don't know what you want. Like, we're not going to continue to offer you a job. And I was like, I don't know. I just don't know that I'm the right person. Like I'm competent, comfortable with my skill set, but I just feel like this is like a whole new ball game. Like this is big leagues. Like I felt like I was playing like minor league ball for a long time and I was really good at it, but this was like the big leagues dog. And like, you can do it. Uh, and I was like, fuck, I don't know. Like, I feel like I can, <laughs> but I'm not sure. And again, the store was fucking phenomenal. It was magic. The clients were magic. Everything about it just seemed like otherworldly great. You know, and I, I feel like that's like when you meet somebody and you start slowly falling in love, you only see like the perks. You only see like their eyes are so sparkly. Their smile is perfect. Yeah. Uh, when they talk, it's like rainbows coming into your ears um, and you don't see any of the flaws. You know, you only see the good shit. And after working there for a while, I started to see some of the bad shit, like some of the stuff that no one liked, some of the things that lots of people were unhappy about. And at that point, like everybody started to like kind of people were leaving. The store was having problems and it just continued to have problems. And they would sometimes um, someone told me like the store, the store's in waves. We have years where it's really good and everything's running great and personalities are really going well everybody's like firing on their a game uh from the owner down everybody's doing great and then there are dips where it just feels like no one is hitting the marks everything mm -hmm. isn't right things are falling apart things aren't being handled and you never know you just got to ride the wave it's going to come back up and i was like fuck man i feel like this sucks like i came in with like such great expectations and i loved it so much like this was so amazing like i'm watching mm -hmm. people learn things i'm watching people do new things i'm meeting like jewelers and people who do such amazing fucking things and i'm like fuck this sucks how can this like not be going well and we had multiple conversations about it i got along really well with the original well with the store owner 
Um, and we would talk all the time and he would say like little things like, I'm just tired. Fuck this. No one appreciates what I do. Like no one appreciates the struggle, which we've all heard from like store owners. And it, it to a degree, it's true. Like it's hard to appreciate like the, it's hard to appreciate what someone does behind the scenes. Yeah. There's a lot of nuance that people just don't see. And that person can even, they can lay it all out for you and tell you the whole story, but you're just not in a position to see it. Like you, you don't really hear it. Like you're listening, but you don't hear it because there's so many different little moving pieces. There's so many factors that you don't think of as being a part of a thing. And like, we talked about it for a while and I was just like, and he was like, I just want to get out of this. I just, I'm fucking done with this. I don't want to do this. Like, I'm just over it. I just want to fucking get a little house out in the woods somewhere and just, you know, fuck this, fuck this place. And I was like, dude, that's terrible. Like, how can you feel that way? This is so crazy. This is magical. Like, why would you want to leave this? Like, this could be everything. You've like labored to make this such amazing, beautiful thing. Why the fuck do you want to get away from it? And he was like, hopefully you never understand. Hopefully you never get that feeling, you know? And he had like a very lackadaisical attitude towards, you know, for better or worse responsibility, uh, kind of lackadaisical about like finances, like, You know, like one of my favorite things that he would always say, and it was my favorite because I hated it, was there's always going to be money, man. There'll always be money. Oh, no. It is flagrantly false. It is not true at all. Um, No, it is. It's not. As the kids would say nowadays, it's all cap. (laughs) It is not true. Um, but he would always tell me that he'd be like, dude, there's always going to be money. Like, it's like, you're just in a down period. Don't worry. It comes back. You put it into the universe. It comes back. It always works out. And I was like, dude, you're, you have a lot of money. So you saying that doesn't really ring true to me. I don't feel like, you know, what not having money is like. And he's like, you just think I have money because I own this store and you see the things that come in and go out. I don't have any money. It's like, that's not real like you're seeing something that isn't real and i was like no that's not true that can't be true that can't be true like i i'm here i see the sales i see what you're making there's no way you don't have money and again if i would have just shut up and listened i maybe would have never said i'll buy this place from you like i would have never said that if i had listened but that was a conversation that we had not too long after that and i was like dude i'll like, I hate to see this go. Like, this is amazing. You just want to close it and leave. You just want to fucking board it up and walk away and just be done. Like, that. I can't let that happen. This is too great of a thing. There's no way I can let that happen on my watch. And we worked out a deal um, that was wildly, just absolutely fucking nuts. In hindsight, if anyone would have ever approached me with a deal like the deal that we agreed on, I would have laughed hysterically. I would have kicked the table over and I'd have blanked you're out of your fucking mind. Never. It ended up with me like absorbing all of the store's debt to vendors, to the city, to the state taxes, um, and deducting that from the sale price of the store, which was a, which even now in my brain is an astronomical number. And I don't know why I ever fucking agreed to it. I just, I, I think I was so in love with the idea and the concept of what brain drops meant to people that it, like any number was a reasonable mm-hmm. number because I was so in love with just the thought of it. Um, it's like finding a place where you feel like you really fit a place where magical things happen, where 
people were loved and taken care of and seen and respected, and you don't want that to go away. Like, you, you would hate to see that go away. You know, you don't want to watch the death of something that you think is perfect or can be perfect. Mm-hmm. Really quickly, I realized, like, holy shit, like, dude, you are so fucking in debt. Like, you are so much you were so much more in debt than what you even were transparent about. Like and it, like some of the debt just kept piling on even like a year later, like it was still piling in from other places. And I was like, like, Holy shit. And it just was just crazy. It was just a whirlwind. If my moments of starting at brain drops and working at brain drops were absolutely magical, my moments of owning it were absolutely horrendous. I'm sorry to hear that. That's a bummer. Um, it, it isn't. It isn't. It, it was a lesson that I had to learn, you know, like, like the, you know, like to, to quote him, the universe puts you where you need to be. Uh, and it did because I needed to learn that I needed to learn that because, you know, there are flowers don't mean that those flowers aren't growing out of piles of shit. You know, there, there are flowers and they look real good, but there's a lot of shit underneath of these flowers. Um, and it was just kind of a tough experience. Like I am not client skills. I'm really good. I'm personable. I like clients. They like me. Um, I'm not the world's greatest communicator with coworkers or people who I work alongside. And there were just so many things that were not working correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a lease that I was assured. This is a 15 year lease. This lease is yours. When you buy the store, you inherit the lease. It's perfect. Uh, I talked to the landlord and he was like, yeah, sure. This all checks out. It's fine. Don't worry. We'll, we'll figure it out together. It'll be fine. And then as soon as the sale was going through, the landlord decided, you know what? I don't like this store owner, the old store owner anymore. So I'm not going to honor his lease. And just because you bought it from him doesn't mean I have to continue the lease to you. You bought the store. You didn't buy the lease. And I was like, well, holy shit. Like, you know, what are the problems? He's like, well, he owes rent. He owes a year's worth of rent on the store, you know? And I was like, holy shit, like what's a year's worth of rent? An astronomical number in San Francisco, like a ridiculous number. And it's like, well, fuck, I guess I have, like, I'll get in, like, how do I, like, I just now owned it for like three months. Like I can't like get kicked out with three months of ownership. I don't fucking know what to do. Um, And at that point, the relationship with the previous owner had deteriorated so bad that like, I couldn't even go to him for like advice. I couldn't talk to him about what we should do. Um, because he just was doing his own thing and we weren't seeing eye to eye on a bunch of things and it just wasn't working. I didn't have a group of peers who were in that scenario who owned Mm. stores that I could reach out to and say, what do you do in this scenario? Like I was really just like a fish out of water and with no real fucking idea. Um, and so I got into an agreement with the, with that landlord to absorb a year's worth of unpaid rent. And I talked to the owner that I had bought, that I was buying the store from, because at that point I was essentially buying, I was renting to own from the owner um, because the number was just so absorb, exorbitant. And I was like, fuck man, I'm good. I have to take this, I have to take this debt on too. Like I have to take it on or else they're going to kick it out into the street. Uh, the landlord said, sure, I'll give you this deal. Uh, and it was less than favorable. It wasn't like a really good deal. Uh, you know, I, I, I ate a lot of shit sandwiches for it. Um, and it sucked. And he was like, you know what? We're coming up on the one year. I'll renew this lease for you if you can meet all of these qualifications. You know, so I jumped through a bunch of hoops to meet them, tried my damnedest, and I met them. 
and he told me, I'm not going to renew your lease. I'm not going to renew it. Oh, and no. Like, well, yeah, and now I'm like, well, fuck. Like, I've poured so much, like, money. Like, another thing that I did not know and I did not learn and would have been great to have learned is that when you work in a space or when you work in a store and you are the store owner, pay yourself. Pay yourself. Like, whatever you pay yourself. Give yourself a salary. Pay yourself. Absolutely. I did not. I, I existed and paid for things solely off of my piercing shifts and the tips that I made. But all that money was going back into the store because there were so many fucking bills and payroll and, and, and all of that shit. Like, you know, payroll taxes, like city taxes, like all of that shit. And it was like, I, I just wasn't even really paying myself enough. And it was like, well, fuck, I don't have extra money. Like, I, I just don't have the money to now give him this large lump sum deposit to give me another five-year lease extension that's free and clear of this person. I don't have that money. And like, I was calling him like every day for like two weeks. Like I called him every single day and was like, Hey man, so this is coming up. And I know you said that you weren't going to renew this lease and that there was nothing that I could do that would get you to change your mind. There's gotta be something like what, please, what like, what can I do? Please? Like, I don't want, and I don't think it was ever anything that I really discussed with coworkers or people who were working for me because the last thing you need is to try to absorb a whole bunch of problems as a coworker or as an employee. It's none of your fucking, like, that's like, why do you care? Like you, there's nothing that you can do to help you. You're working. You just want to make sure your job is stable. And so I kind of suffered through it without saying shit about it. And finally I was like, fuck, we just have to move the store. And at that time I asked a friend who is still a very dear friend, um, who's also still a piercer. He was ironically my first apprentice. Dude, I need a business partner. I need somebody who has more common sense than me. I need somebody who is better at the books than me. And I need somebody who is also just a softer human being than me. And he was like, sure, I'll do it. I'm in. Like, cut me in, I'll do it. Uh, and he kind of like came in, he looked around, he like assessed a few things. And he was like, this is a shit show. You should never have fucking did this. And I was like, Thanks, but now here we are. So now what the fuck do I do? Uh, you know, like all the hindsight isn't really helpful, my friend. Right, yeah. Uh, and he was like, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to move the store. Like it sucks, but we don't have any other options. The lease is up in like a month. So we're going to move. And I was like, oh, we're going to move with what money? Oh, man. And he's like, well, we're going to figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll, 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 we'll trust the process. It's going to work which is something that multiple people have told me and I never still have faith in it. I, I still, to this day, feel like that's a bullshit line. Uh, so at that point, Square was our processing and, I, and they offered me a loan, like $40,000. And he was like, bam, we got moving money. Look at that. The universe provides. And I was like, fuck man, but this is crazy. This is like a big loan. The way Square payback is crazy. You know, like this is nutty. And he was like, what other choice do you have? We close it now or we move it and try. So we found a space that was really a beautiful space. It was amazing. Uh, it was, you know, three times the size of what Braindrops was. It was also three times the cost. Uh, but it was in the same neighborhood. It was a block away. And we really thought moving a block, we'll still get some of our same traffic. People will still know, you know, we'll put big signs in the window. This is where we're moving to. This is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Those people will come, those people will walk one block to get the same service. That's not entirely true. Moving a store is moving a store. 
and even if you move a block away, even when you put signs in the window that say, we are one block north, same side of the street, signage in the windows, those people will call and be like, I can't find it. Literally, the sign says, walk this way one block. Like it's, it's in the window. And it just really, like it, it didn't pick back up traffic-wise. The city was doing a bunch of construction. They had blocked off the street. So we were missing out on foot traffic for like the first few months. They were telling me like, hey, we're going to tear up the sidewalk. You know, like the city planners were like, oh, well, we have brutal. to redo the sidewalk. We're going to do a bunch of just maintenance and changes. So you're going to lose the sidewalk for six more months. And this is like with the onset of summer, spring, like this is the busiest time. And you're telling me you've already shut down my street. Now you're going to also shut down my sidewalks. My rent is $15,000 a month. Like, 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 holy fucking shit. Like, there's no way. Like, there's no way. So we fumbled through it. We paid off the square loan. I got another one right away. And that was just all to just keep it moving. Not like, oh, I'm living great. Like, I, you know, like, look at my new Cuban necklace. Like, yeah. no, this is like, fuck, man. This is just to cover the bills. Yeah, it wasn't growth. It was just playing catch up. The, the phrase like robbing Peter to pay Paul. I was robbing Peter and Mary to pay Paul just to keep the doors open. Yep. You know, and it's like, holy shit. Like this was just, it was the only, it was the only play that we had that made any sort of sense that kept the store open. You know, we continued to do it for a while. I think all in all, we got like an additional year out of it, like going back and forth and trying to hustle in every way. You know, we got like a year out of it potentially. And I, I would say like, you know, like we had a lot of really tough decisions, a lot of tough conversations. I mentioned that I was just wildly unhappy. Uh, I had shit in my personal life that was falling completely the fuck apart. Uh, I was super stressed out from that. I was super stressed out from the store. Hadn't been loving being in the store since early on in buying it. Like it, it went from being a place that I loved to a place that I resented really fast. And people were still like, oh, it's so great. How don't you love it? It's like, mm. you you don't see the problem side. You don't see the shit that like, you don't see me laying in bed at three in the morning with rent due and then deciding it's payroll or rent. Well, payroll, you pay payroll, you know, and then rent's late and then your landlord's breathing down your neck. And it's like, hey man, I understand. Like we've signed this five year, 10 year lease. We signed a 10 year lease at $15,000 a month, you know? And it's like, fuck man. And he was like, look, I'll let you out of this lease, but you're on the hook for 10 years of it. Like you can break it, but you're still going to owe me 10 years. Yeah. Contractually. Contractually. And I was like, fuck man. Like I, what do I do? Like, fuck man. That's like, it's over a million dollars. Like it, it works out to be like a million plus dollars like that. I would be on the hook for that just blows me away. It keeps me up at night still. Cause I had already just sunk so much money into the store itself. Uh, money that I didn't have money that I was taking from one loan to the next loan to keep things moving. And it was really just like a juggling, it was, a, it, it was juggling like balls of flaming shit. Like it, there was no win. And like we, me and my, me and my business partner talked about it. And like, we joked, we were like, you know, like maybe we should just pull uh, a studio X that just fucking told everybody they were fired. Like you're all fucking fired. We're done. And then they restaffed within a week and they had cut the staff wages 50%. So all the new hires were making half as much money. The store rebounded. They were doing great. Like that was the joke. We're going to do that. And then I was like, and then we talked about it and we were both like, that's absolutely fucking abysmal. And the fact that a studio, a very prominent studio had did that already 
was just like despicable. And it wasn't something that I could do. I could have let everybody go and then just work as like a two man studio, but I couldn't let people go. That felt, that felt cheap and despicable too. You know, so I continued to pay people uh, while losing every single penny that I had in any context. I owned a car, I sold it. Uh, it floated like two weeks of payroll, then I had no car. I started selling things that I own to try and float the store. And before you know it, like here I am, like separated from my wife. You know, I sleep in a garage, but I have a store. It's losing money. Employees are still happy. Uh, and it was just like, fuck, man, I, like how much more can I give to this? Like I'm, I'm out of things to give to it. So I talked to a few different employees. I think at this point there were maybe like yeah. five employees. Uh, and I just kind of floated the idea like, look, man, I think I have to close the store. I just can't. I just there's nothing more to give to it. I just can't do it anymore. And everybody was like, no, no, you'll be fine. Like you, you're just you're, you're grumpy. You're just, you know, like you're not in love with it right now. It'll bounce back. And I was like, no, like, I don't think you get it. Like, this is me being honest. This is me being forthright telling you, like, like, really, man, I just don't know that I can do it anymore. I then offered, because we had just started offering tattoo on a bigger scale. I offered to sell half of the store, like the tattoo half of it to uh, a friend who worked there. And he looked at me and laughed and was like, I don't want none of this shit. I don't want any of these. Fuck why would I want these fucking problems? Like, I, I'm friends with you and I see you, you deal with. I don't want to fucking deal with that. No, thank you. And I offered to sell it to him for, you know, like a really, like a fraction of money, like enough that it would have paid maybe a month's worth of payroll. And then I could maybe figure something else out. So again, we're talking like a very tiny amount of money to mm. half of it. Uh, and he was like, nope, don't want it. So I was like, fuck, I just, I, I can't do this. Like, I don't know what to do. Uh, we talked, I, me and John talked about it. He flew down from where he lived and was like, close it. He's like, dude, like, I understand. Just fucking close it. Uh, give everybody notice that you're closing it. Let them know you're going to close it and just fucking close. Like, stop. And I was like, all right, all right. Like, that's what we'll do. We're just going to fucking walk away from this. Um, and I told everybody, like, look, I think this is the last month, you guys. Like, I really feel like this is the last month after this. Like, really, you guys, everybody should start trying to figure out what they're going to do. This, is, this has to be the last month. I can't do this anymore. And I really feel like everybody just kind of like took it and laughed it off. Like me saying like, like literally, like, I don't want to do this. I can't do this. I don't have any money. It's not making any money. At that point, I hadn't paid myself for like six months and like only in tip money. And then finally, like John was like, what are you doing? Like, this is the payroll period. If you keep this open another day past this point, you are two more weeks in debt for payroll. Close it. And I was like, fuck, all right, all right, this is what I have to do. Like, you know, like, fuck, man, this doesn't give me any window. And I, like, stayed up all night. Like, I just laid on my floor, like, at the ceiling. I cried a good bit. Like, it's like, uh, and I just, it was like a tough call. 6.40 p.m., I remember the time. I remember the day. Like, it still haunts my dreams to this moment. I wrote a really long text message, like, hey, everybody, I'm really sorry about this. I hate to do this. I know it's really short notice. I know this really leaves everybody kind of shit out. Here's your full pay, like your full paychecks are there. They'll be fine. Um, I have to close the store. I just can't do it anymore. So, you know, like I know like the next three shifts that were up were me working by myself. So like, it doesn't really put anybody out. No one's missing days that they have. It is ridiculously short notice, but I'm really sorry. 
we j I just can't do it anymore. I've given all I've got to this and I just can't. You know, I'm sorry if there's anything I can do to help you. If there's jewelry that you love in the store that you have an emotional attachment to, take it. It's yours. It's a parting gift. Take it. You can have it. I'm not going to keep the store open. I'm not going to try to have a fire sale. I'm not doing anything for a few more days. If there's something you love, just go ahead and take it. Some people, you know, were like, nah, it'll be all right. You'll, you'll, you'll figure it out. Uh, I was dead serious that I could not because I had been trying. And then it just turned into a whole thing. People were like, oh, you, you just sold us out. You just threw us to the wolves. Like you didn't give a shit. Like you didn't care about us. When in fact, I had cared about them for a very long time previous to that. Because it would have been just as easy to say, fuck all this shit and leave. But I really wrote it down until the very end trying to do the right thing. Yeah. You know, and like, even when I think about it and talk about it, it's like, it's like reliving your worst childhood moment fresh every single time I have to talk about it. And it sucked. And then there was like a whole bunch of shit. And, you know, like there were people saying, oh, you didn't pay me. And I was like, fuck, this sucks. This is terrible. Like, maybe I didn't. Maybe there's an oversight. Like, fuck, there's a million things moving in all these pieces at one time. Like, I'm really sorry. I'm going to liquidate everything in the in the store. I'm going to sell it all out. Um, I'll sell it to a competing shop. Moms, moms, that's on H Street. Um, Dave passed away like a year or two ago. Rest his soul. He's a fucking great human being. I know a lot of people didn't like him. I know that I didn't always like him, but he always made himself available if I had a problem and needed to talk to somebody, which I didn't have anything else of out of my peers and mentors in the industry. Nobody, no one, you know, no one to talk to. Um, everybody wants to tell you that the store is going to do great. It's going to bounce back. No one wants to hear that you're fucking crying and that shit's falling apart and you don't know what to do. But Dave would always make space. He'd sit down, he'd have coffee with me and he'd be like, man, you know what you should do? You pay those people way too fucking much. Why do you pay them so much fucking money? And it's like, because I worked in a studio where I felt like I didn't make enough money. And I said, if I ever owned a studio, I wouldn't fucking do that. And I always said that I'm never going to have a studio like the studios I worked in. I'm going to be different. And I, li I lived and died on that hill. You know, I could have staffed it with cheaper people. I could have cut people's jobs and did it solo for a while. And like that felt like doing the exact thing that I didn't want to fucking do. So I, I liquidated the whole thing. I sold it all to Dave. Yeah. But then, you know, like, after I went through it, we were looking at everything. I paid back taxes. I paid um, back bills, anything. Like I tried to pay off some vendors uh, that we had owed money from consignment stuff. And honestly and legitimately, I didn't even pay everybody everything back because there just wasn't enough money to even do so, which you know has led to a lot of hurt feelings and a lot of just like bad vibes from it all, which is wholly warranted. And I understand Um but I also 100% lost not just my ass, but part of my legs too. I didn't just lose a little bit. I lost everything, you know, like everything, everything, everything. Like if you could take every dollar you've ever had and like throw it in the trash and then yeah. set it on fire and then pee on it, like that's how <laughs> I, I, I feel lost. bad about laughing right now, but that's no, kind of amazing. No, it's like, it's like, it's, and it's funny because it's like realistic. Um, and so many people were like, you sold everything and you must've made off so good ripping everybody off. And it's like, I don't think you understand how this works. Like I hear you saying that sentence, but I don't think you fucking understand what we're talking about here. And so like I had a conversation with an old employee and they told me like, you didn't pay me like my, 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 I didn't get all my money. And I was like, fuck man, this sucks. I'm so sorry. You know, again, it's wholly possible that I just fucked this up and I missed this. Let me make it right. Let me figure it out. Let me look into it and I'll pay you back. I'll pay you whatever you say that I owe you. Just, you know, let me know. 
And, you know, like in conversations with my business partner again, he was like, no, you don't. You don't. No, you don't. Do you not remember the entirety of the conversation that we had for multiple days about end the store right now and then the paychecks are complete and you're done and you won't owe anything further? And I was like, no, no, I don't remember that. I was crying every single day about the loss of my fucking studio. Why the fuck would I remember this conversation? And he was like, yeah, idiot. That's exactly why we did it. And that's why we did it on that morning. So nothing rolled over. Specifically, that's why I called you that morning yelling at you to fucking make the fucking text message. And I was like, fuck, you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, and so I reached back out to that person and was like, hey, like I've, I've, I've re-examined this and I don't think I owe you anything. Like, I think we ended it square, but what I'll do is if you can send me a check stub, if you can show me your last deposit and you can show me when it deposited versus the date we closed, if there's any overhang to that at all in any way, I'll pay you for it. Like I'll, I'll like, I don't even own a studio anymore. I, I work at that point. Like I had a job at Whole Foods cause fuck piercing, fuck the industry, fuck all of this bullshit. I was like, I'll just give you money from my Whole Foods paycheck. Like, I'll fucking pay you because um, I don't want to fucking owe you. I don't want to be a dick. I don't want to be in the fucking wrong. I don't want to fucking steal from you. You know, I've got a moral compass, at least for that. And they were like, I can't find it. And I was like, well, here's the problem. You're saying that I owe you money. I'm looking. My partner's saying that we don't owe you money. And I'm just asking you to show me anything. If you, if you show me anything that I owe you X amount of dollars mm -hmm. and I'll just call it right. I'll be like, you know what? My bad for not having it. But I've now also walked away from a business. I no longer have access to the banking. I no longer have access to those records. It's all fucking gone. So if you tell me and you show me what you're missing, I'll make it up to you. And then I got radio silence for a while and I didn't hear anything back from that person. And then I got a message from them like maybe six months again later like, hey, you owe me money still, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, well, literally, the longer you wait to show me this thing, the harder it's going to be for me to, like, give it to you. Anything you'll show me, I'll just say you're right. I didn't hear back. You know, and then, like, a year goes by, and, like, I'm like, all right, well, I don't know what to do. I, like, move on with my life. I'm doing other things. I'm still working at Whole Foods. I'm doing other shit. Just being a miserable, sad person licking their wounds after a huge fucking... Um, and I didn't feel like I was being sure, a dick. Yeah. I wasn't I mean, being abrasive. That's a simple I was request. Trying to make sure I wasn't being rude. Uh, and so, like I, you know, like I reached out. I tried to see if there was more to it. Uh, and one person that I did contact that did respond to my messages was like, "Nah, man, you paid me off. Like it was good. Like I, we were even. Like you didn't owe me anything else." And I was like, "All right, well, then, may, then maybe I did get it right. Maybe you know, maybe my partner does remember this better than I do. Because in all fairness, like." a lot of it is a blur for me, like not to like be dismissive of it, but it was a big thing that happened. And I, you know, like a lot of it's a blur. Especially appreciate that you took the time to address the brain dops issue. Um, I, I've heard things and you've said the things have been stated and I was afraid that that shit was going to muddy and haunt things. So thank you for addressing yeah, it. Yeah. I, I think too, I think that's a really, um, I think it's a really important thing that everybody understands that I am not a runner from conflict. If you tell me some shit that I don't like or I don't agree with, or if you think I did you wrong, you can approach me. If anyone tells you otherwise that I'm not approachable, if anyone tells you that I'm like a huge dickhead, I may be, but I'm going to hear your grievance. 
So if you feel like I've wronged you in any way, I promise you, reach out. Tell me that I've wronged you. Tell me that I've hurt your feelings. Tell me that I said some shit that you thought was not cool. I'll hear you out. Even if I still disagree with you after that, I'm, I'm approachable. I'll make space for you. A huge thank you to Trevor for taking the time to sit down with me and speak on these topics, for sharing his perspective, for being transparent. I appreciate the time we've spent together during this process. To my listeners, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. It means a lot to me. If you've enjoyed episodes one and two so far, please consider giving the Sore Hands Club podcast a review or rating. Share the link, sorehandsclub.com. Anything helps. I appreciate it.